Well, this morning our reading comes from the book of Romans, and um, Romans 1 through 8 contain Paul's gospel, and this chapter 4 is rich and significant indeed. Uh, We're going to read the first eight verses. Let's be standing, please. This is the Word of God as Paul wrote to the church in Rome, and he's writing it to us as well. What then are we, are we to say was gained by Abraham, our ancestor according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Now, to one who works... Wages are not reckoned as a gift, but as something due. But to one who, without works, trusts him who justifies the ungodly, such faith is reckoned as righteousness. So also David speaks of the blessedness of those to whom God reckons righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one against whom the Lord will not reckon sin. May God bless the reading of his word. Getting started a little bit later than usual, but uh, I think we'll get us out on time anyway. And that's because this text, I don't want to say a lot about it. Uh, that's not because it's not an important text. In fact, it's just the opposite. You know, there, there are some texts that are not extremely relevant to our lives. Now, all of the Bible's important. There's a reason that you have the genealogies in there. There's, uh, you know, a reason that you have some of these uh, texts that, that seem to be like censuses of uh, Israelites and stuff like that. They're, they're, they're there. They're important. But they don't really have a lot of bearing on our salvation and on our relationship with God. This text, on the other hand, this text has shaped the church, especially over the last 400 years. This text has brought many people back to God, close to his heart. And I'm afraid to mess it up. I'm afraid that if we talk about it too much, we might mar it in some way. How many of you noticed that in this text, Paul quotes our text we looked at last week? Did anybody pick up on that? Oh, you would make my day. If you could remember that last week, we talked about Psalm 32. And and what we talked about was, how important it is that we have our sins forgiven and how important it is that our sins get covered over and hidden away and how we can't do that ourselves. That if we try to cover up our own sins, if we try to hide our sins, that all kinds of bad things happen. David even talked about how it can make you sick 
that, that your life is affected, that things are just not like they should be if you're going around pretending that you're not sinning, that, that you are, are not uh, having any problems and you just keep stuffing them down. We talked about how important it is that we let God forgive our sins. That that is where we find our life. That is where we're made healthy and whole again. The verses he quotes are the very first two verses of Psalm 32. Here they are in verses 7 and 8. Blessed are those whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one against whom the Lord will not reckon sin. I can remember a time in my life when I thought about God keeping a record of my sins was kind of like he had this book. And every time I did something wrong, he wrote it down in the book. Has anyone else ever kind of had that picture in your mind? And then I would ask for forgiveness, and God would get his eraser out and erase those things in the book. And it was all kind of a bookkeeping transaction, you know? It it just kind of happened. That's not the way it is. Forgiveness of sins is a healing experience. Forgiveness of sins touches our hearts and our souls. Forgiveness of sins gives us our lives back. Now, the reason that Romans 4 is so important is that while Paul is talking about the need to have our sins forgiven, he's also telling us how that happens. He uses as an example Abraham. And in this text, he tells us how Abraham got to be so close to God that God forgave his sins. And in telling us how that worked for Abraham, he's telling us how it can work for ourselves. If we can learn how Abraham got so close to God that God forgave his sins and did not count his sins against him, then we can learn how we can get that close to God so that God will forgive our sins as well. This little passage out of Genesis 15 that Paul quotes here in Romans 4 is quoted often in the New Testament, most often by Paul himself in other places. It's also quoted by James in his little letter in the second chapter, and I believe it's verse 23. I was going to look that back up, and I didn't, but I think it's 2.23. It's in the second chapter of James. And he quotes this same passage about Abraham and God, and at the end of it, he adds this. And this is how Abraham and God became friends. Isn't that marvelous? You know, that's really all you need to know about theology. Some of us go to school and we read all the theologians of the past, a lot of the theologians of the past, and really try to dig down deep and learn a lot of theology. The only theology you really have to know It's the theology of friendship, that you and God can become friends. 
And if you want to know what that means and unpack it, well, just think about you and your own friends. You do have friends, don't you? Wouldn't it be sad to go through this life with no friends? Well, all you got to do is stop and think about those people that you call friend. And think about the relationship that you have with those people. And how you trust each other. And how you enjoy each other. And how those friendships bring meaning to your life. And how you cut each other some slack, you know? Sometimes friends kind of step on each other's toes. They don't say everything just right. But they're your friend. And you overlook that. And you keep on sailing, don't you? Because you love them. And you embrace them. And you feel loved and embraced by them. Well, this passage is all about becoming friends with God. All about getting close to Him. Now, I want you to play a little game with me here just for a moment. Because I know we all want to be close to God. You wouldn't be at church if you didn't want to be close to God. You wouldn't be here if you didn't want to be a friend of God. So, fill in the blank in this statement. All right, you ready? I will be close to God. God and I will be friends. Things will be really good between me and God as soon as I... What is it? What is it for you? There's a lot of things that can go in that blank, but you probably have an answer. You probably have an answer that you can immediately put into that blank. I want to be close to God. I want to be God's friend. And as soon as I do this, it's going to happen. For example, for some of us, it may be as soon as I finally start reading and studying my Bible like I should. You know, I want to be close to him. I want him to be my friend. And someday it's going to happen because someday I'm going to take seriously my commitment that I have made so many times that I'm going to learn this book. You know, there's portions of this book I haven't even read yet. You know? And so someday I'm going to sit down, I'm going to read it, I'm going to study it. Every day I'm going to spend some time with God in the book. And then God and I are really going to be close. Or maybe your answer is, we're going to get really close whenever I really have an active prayer life. I know how important that is. I know how important it is to talk to God every day, several times a day. I know how important it is to have a regular time when we talk together, that it's not just a little bit here and a little bit here, that we have significant times where I get on my knees, I fall on my face, and I pray before God. And someday I'm going to start doing that. And as soon as I do, wow, I'm going to feel close to God. God and I are going to be friends. Or maybe for you, it's God and I are going to be friends. We're going to get really close as soon as I stop doing that. There, there's something in my life that I've picked up along the way. It's a bad habit, or it's something I know I shouldn't be doing, but I tried to stop it, and it, it just keeps coming back up, you know? And, and, and it's a comfort thing. When things get stressful, I go back and do this. But someday I'm going to quit doing that. And as soon as I stop doing that, God and I are going to be really close. I'm going to feel his nearness. I'm going to feel his presence. And we're going to walk through this life together. 
It could be you could put in the blank, as soon as I start going to church more often. You know, I only go about once a month. Well, someday I'm going to start going all the time. Then God and I are going to be really close. Or maybe I'm going to start helping people more. I'm going to volunteer at Rust Street. I'm going to find ways to be of service to others. And as soon as I do that, I'm going to feel a lot closer to God. And I'm going to start one of these days. Or let me give you the one that I've used a lot. And I think some of you who grew up in churches of Christ in particular, or maybe some other fairly fundamental conservative tradition, have shared this one with me. I'm going to be really close to God. We're going to be good friends when I finally start being more evangelistic. I know I need to be sharing my faith. I know I need to be talking to others about God and about Jesus. And someday I'm going to start doing that. And when I do, wow, things are going to be good. I'll tell you a story that I think is related. You may not think so at first, but we'll get back to it. I was going to Abilene Christian Grad School when I accepted this job here as youth minister at the time. And so I suspended my studies saying, oh, I'll just, you know, stop for a year or two and then I'll get right back into it. Ha! <laughs> you guys, don't do that, all right? You just keep on going and get through. Well, finally, years down the road, I thought, you know, if I'm going to ever finish these degrees, I need to get back into it. So I made the commitment to go back and to enroll at Abilene Christian and to take, start out with by taking one course by assignment where I could just go and meet with the professor on occasion and he could sort of check my progress. Well, I signed up for Old Testament exegesis. Exegesis is where you study a passage and you read out. Exegesis means to read out, and that's what you're doing, reading out the meaning of the text. Well, I'd already had some training with another professor in how to do exegesis. And the first step, according to this other professor, was that you translate the text. If you're going to exegete it, you don't just use an English translation. You go back to the Hebrew, and you go back to the Septuagint Greek, and you read it in Hebrew, you read it in Greek, you make your own translation, and then you can start exegeting. Well, I had been a youth minister for several years, you know. I'd been doing things like spinning around a bat and seeing if I could run without, you know, falling down and stuff like that. I hadn't been reading a lot of Hebrew and Greek. And so, when I started trying to do that, it was like, man, this is rusty. I can't do this anymore. And I spent so many hours up late at night trying to get that going again and struggling. Plus, the guy, the professor had assigned me three chapters of Isaiah. I was hoping for like three verses, three chapters of Isaiah that I had to translate. It took me months. I kept calling. I can't come in yet. Can you give me an extension? I can't come in yet. Can you give me? Finally, I had it done. Was worn out with it. I took it up there, went into his office, laid it all out, sat back and waited for him to go, wow, you know, look at this. You know what he said? Watch this. I said, well, it's my translation of the three chapters of Isaiah. He says, couldn't you buy one of those? It's been translated into English before. You don't have to go back and do that again. I was so frustrated that I had worked so hard for nothing 
I quit. I just walked away, dropped the course. And sometimes we can do that spiritually too. Whenever we've decided this is what it's going to take to be close to God, and we get ourselves together and we work at it for a while, and yet we feel no closer. It doesn't seem to be working. And so we just turn and walk away and say, well, for me, it's just not there. Let's look again at what Paul said about Abraham and God getting close together. If Abraham was justified by what he had done, by his works, then yeah, he would have something to brag about, although no one could ever brag to God because God is God. But yet, if it had been what Abraham did that had made him close to God, then Abraham could have been proud of himself. He could have patted himself on the back, said, way to go, Abraham. But what does the scripture say about how Abraham and God got close together? It says this in Genesis chapter 15. Abraham believed God. Abraham trusted God. And God said to Abraham, that's good enough for me. Abraham began treating God as a friend, trusting him, loving him, Enjoying him. Verse 4. Now to one who works, wages are not reckoned as a gift, but as something that's due. If Abraham had had done this in a way that he had worked his way into God's heart, then God would have had to accept it. But to one who can't get it done, but trust him who justifies the ungodly. And there I am in the text, I am the ungodly. And the one who trusts the one who will, who will justify the ungodly. Then to that one, faith is reckoned as righteousness. God says, friend. I don't do a lot of Facebook. I don't have a Facebook page. Pat has one, and she sticks my pictures on there too. And so I, I kind of keep up with a few folks through her But I do know enough about it to know that you can go on Facebook and request to be people's friends. And and you'll pull up your page and maybe some people have found you and uh, and says, so-and-so wants to be your friend. And you have this amazing power to click yes or no, accept, deny, you know. And you can pick, who do I want to be friends with? Well, what this passage is saying is, That God has already sent you a friend request. That he wants to be your friend. He's done all the hard work of finding you. He's done all the hard work to make it possible for you to be his friend. And what does it take for me to be close to God? What does it take for God and I to be friends? All it takes... It's for me to accept him as a friend, to begin treating him as a friend, trusting him, believing in him, 
enjoying him and knowing that he has embraced me too. We're going to stand in a moment and sing a song, and we always do this at the end of a sermon. But I hope that as we sing this song, we call it the invitation song, the invitation to you is to finally open your heart and say, I'll take you as a friend. That God wants me as a friend and I will be his friend. If you want to pray about that or to talk with someone about it, our elders, as we said, gather in the parlor. They'll be standing up here during the invitation song. Come, we'll be glad to help. Don't walk out of here alone. Walk out of here like Abraham as a friend of God. Let's stand.